Welcome to the Start a Brewery podcast, where we discuss all things relating to startups, open and growing breweries from concept to execution. We are pleased to partner with All About Beer to bring you this podcast. You're joining us today for episode 19, Building Your Business Plan, Getting Into the Numbers. I'm Laura Lodge here with Candace Moon, and we're excited to welcome you to our ongoing podcast journey. As your hosts and founders of Start a Brewery, we both have extensive experience in our areas of specialty. Candace is the craft beer attorney, having worked with more than 500 brewery clients over time, and my background is a mix of distribution, event planning, and craft beer education. You can find more information about us and our contributors, plus a whole bunch of information and resources at startabrewery.com. This will be episode 19, Building Your Business Plan, Getting Into the Numbers. Since we are still in business plan mode here, we want to alleviate the anxiety of any of our listeners who are daunted by the idea that they need to create a pro forma or cash flow projections or sales projections. And that's fair, by the way. It is the great unknown if you don't have a financial background. So let's start there and work through the discussion to include information that would apply to expansion projections and or top level stuff that breweries should be doing as best practices routinely once they're open as well. Because we are early in the podcast journey, we have plenty of time to do a deeper, more detailed dive into the nitty gritty as we get into plan, act, open, and grow to follow our website path. This is the time to set that up though, to make it all more accessible, less scary, and more functional, practical, and real, since it's truly not just for the bankers. As our regular listeners know, we're following a session about goal setting with Mark Bowman of Triple Bottom Line Brewery Consulting, formerly with Left Hand, Tim Myers of Strange Craft Beer Company, and Matt Del Vecchio of Duckfoot Brewing. So we've started talking a bit about the numbers, but it's been pretty philosophical to this point. So let's greet our guests and get this party started. So we're pleased to welcome to the table today, Audra Gajunas, uh, brewed for her ledger, and Carrie Shemway, Craft Brewery Financial Training and Beer Business Finance. I'm going to let these guys give uh, a little bit of background and information about themselves. Uh, Audra, why don't you go first? Awesome. Um, thank you, Candice. Uh, Audra Gajunas, Brew for Her Ledger is my company. I am a fractional chief financial officer for the industry. I got started in beer 15 years ago as the controller at Dogfish Head and then moved on to be the chief financial officer for Mother Earth Brewing for the following three years. I've been out on my own for the last decade plus now, uh, worked with over 300 breweries from coast to coast. My current new uh, large contract is, newer larger contract, is Crooked Stave out of Denver. So I am their chief financial officer. I work with a couple of other larger regional size breweries, but I travel around coast to coast, work with a lot of startups, work on a lot of expansions, forces me to keep my finger on the pulse of the industry and what's happening as it's evolving. I also teach through the University of Vermont, the Business of a Craft Beer program, um, alongside Carrie, and uh, through University of North Carolina, Charlotte, Ashville Buncom Tech, um, and Brew Your Own Magazine out of Vermont as well. Great. Welcome. Thank you. Carrie? Yes, Candice and Laura, thank you for having me. My name is Carrie Shumway. I'm a CPA and was a CFO for a beer wholesaler for about 15 years and has spent the last five years or so as a CFO and a partner for a brewery. So kind of getting to know, you know, both sides of that, two of the three tiers of our distribute or uh, three tier system. 
Um, so I started my own business about five or six years ago, which was really financial training for the beer industry. And I started thinking, well, I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in this. Maybe my mom will subscribe. Um, she didn't. But over time, there's we've got about 2,000 subscribers that get uh, the newsletter, um, which is basically just stuff that I'm kind of have learned or I'm learning along the way or fear that I will forget. So I try to share it. So I do a lot of like blog posts and articles and courses and whatnot through craftbrewerryfinancialtraining.com and beerbusinessfinance.com is we've recently started a network of beer industry financial professionals to bring people together to work really more on a peer-to-peer basis. So I facilitate the meetings. Uh, there's a lot of best practices in information sharing. Uh, and lastly, I do have a podcast, Craft Brewery Financial Training. If folks want to check that out. Audrey has been my guest in the past, as has Laura, as had has had <laughs> some of our top episodes. So people want to learn more a little bit about each one of these folks individually and whole, I think we got 120 episodes or thereabouts. Uh, it's on all the, hopefully all the uh, major podcast uh, directories, uh, Apple iTunes, that's where I find mine, but uh, you can check it out there. It's just craftbrewfinancialtraining.com podcast. Awesome. Wow. We got a lot of, we got a wealth of information in front of us today. So let's hit you guys with some questions and see what we can dig out here. So Carrie, I'm going to start with you. So let's say you're working with people who are drafting their original business plan and have no small business financial experience. So I think as Laura even mentioned in the intro, you know, they're feeling a little overwhelmed and don't know where to begin. How would you suggest that they begin and how can they get more comfortable with the grounded reality of the project? Yeah, it's a good question. It's frankly like I do one-on-one work with some brewery clients, not a lot, but some. And I would say the majority of the folks that come to me looking for help are looking for help in exactly this area. They've got to create a business plan. Uh, they're really stuck on the financial section of it. The rest of it, they kind of got. I understand the marketing. I know the this and the that, demographics, data, whatnot. Um, but the financial plan trips everybody up, almost everybody. Uh, so the first thing I suggest is, you know, let's just, let's just, Keep it simple and we'll go piece by piece. And like any big problem, you just kind of break it down and and you take a deep breath. Um, And what I offer as practical advice is is something that I discovered maybe a decade ago that I I found very useful, which is the one page business plan. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but it's just a book. It's a little um, it's it's by Jim Horan, H-O-R-A-N, the one page business plan. And what I what I like about it is it's very approachable. Um, it's very, there's a lot of, uh, graphics and cartoons and colors and you get very creative. And I think in our space, particularly, you know, craft brewers tend to be very creative types. So that's why, you know, we're, we're generally so good at certain aspects of the business plan and, you know, really struggle maybe with that financial side of it. Cause you know, I don't know anyone that got into brewing, you know, to, to do the accounting side of it. Uh, we want to brew beer and it's, that's part's very cool. So that's the first thing is, you know, Understand it's going to be a little bit of a challenge and then start with uh, the one page business plan and kind of walk through it. Um, You know, and I say you're not alone. I mean, most people don't have a lot of uh, business financial experience. So that's just a starting point is that you're not, you know, you're not different because you don't understand this. Most people don't. Um, So I start with that. Like, it's going to be difficult. There's lots of models and templates that that are out there. I'm sure Audra has some. I don't have tons of them on my site. So folks can just go crapperyfinancialtraining.com, little search box, you know, financial models, uh, brewery business plan. There's all sorts of things that you can kind of download and poke around with that. 
Um, or you can, you know, you can obviously hire someone to do it. I do it on a regular basis and um, just kind of guide you through the process. Cause it's, so it's, it's always about time and money. Like, do I want to spend the time to do it myself? Some people do, uh, and that's perfectly fine. The resources are there. Uh, or do I want to pay someone to kind of jump the learning curve and speed this thing up and just get it done? Um, so those are, those are kind of the options there. I think in terms of getting um, more comfortable with the project, um, I am a big fan of checklists. I just love, I don't know, I read the checklist manifesto. I've got it on my, my uh, bookshelf right here. I'm kind of, kind of nerdy like that, but I think the, the checklist really does a couple of things. It sort of organizes what I find is most people are like, Oh my gosh, there's so many things to do. How do, how will I ever get through this? And it's just a jumbled mess. You know, you're just like, I know I need licensing. I know I need financial projections. I got to get a lender. I need to talk to investors. Oh my gosh, the equipment. And there's certain aspects they understand and, Many aspects just seem very overwhelming and confusing. So the checklist for me is is a useful starting point, which is really just going to kind of list out what do I need to do? When do I need to do it? Who's going to get it done? What do I need to do? What can I delegate? Very simple and straightforward, but it, it gets everything down on a couple of pages. So you're like, all right, here's the universe of, of what I need to tackle. Um, so the challenge, of course, is sometimes people aren't really sure what should be on that list. You know, so... So there again, there's there's checklists that are out there. And I know Started Brewery has lots of great resources on this as well. But really just sort of organizing it, you know, and then and then ordering it in terms of what needs to be done first, second, third, where possible, and then what can happen sort of on a parallel path. There's a lot of things you can do simultaneously. You just don't really quite know what that is until you get it all down. So I think those are are kind of the starting points of uh of where to begin, you know, get the book, walk through it. And I just say, have some fun with it too, because, you know, a business plan seems like, wow, this is going to, this is really going to stink. I don't want to do. And I've seen business plans that are like 60, 70 pages long. So don't do that. Nobody wants that. Your banker doesn't want it. The investors don't want it. You know, keep it simple. Keep it about you. Keep it about your dream. Uh, obviously the numbers, you know, find some templates for that, but I, I'd say just try to have some fun with it. Cause ultimately this is a plan for you. I mean, it's, you're trying to do it to get investors or or lenders, um, but ultimately it's going to be uh, something that's going to guide your business, hopefully for years to come. Gotcha, Audra. Yeah, I also want to add a really good resource. Um, Brewers Publications put out a book called Small Brewery Finance by Maria Pierman, and I served as one of the technical editors on that book. The first third of that entire book is the startup process, so it is spoken from a narrative point of view. It talks about a couple getting started, how they got started, what information, financial information they needed. And then the second two thirds of the book is like the setting up, the chart of accounts, the plans. You get into a lot more of the technical details, but that first third, I feel would help you really get comfortable with the grounded reality of the actual project. So Smallberry Finance by Maria Pierman. Um, personally, when I get involved in with a startup who's thinking about getting open, I have them create what's called the sources and uses statement because the bank or the investors are eventually going to want to look at that. So talking about how much money can you get from the various sources right now, even estimated what my equity injection could be, what, how much are my investors going to put in? Do I even have an idea of how much of a loan I would ask for? Okay, maybe that's the blank and that's the plug. So then go through a list and create all of your equipment, fixed assets, estimate of the build. So of course, having a location in mind is helpful to get started as well. 
just to be able to estimate the total cost of that entire project itself. The, one of the biggest mistakes that I find uh, from a startup perspective is that breweries are not going to ask for a large enough loan when they get started because they haven't really thought through all of their soft costs. So these are the items that are not your fixed assets. This is gonna be, how much am I putting into brand development? All of my permitting processes. Do I need mechanical engineering elevation studies for this particular location? What about soil testing based on what the property was used for in the past? You may even have to go through zoning changes and land use. So um, putting in like a healthy buffer for what those potential costs would be on top of the fixed assets, you're, you'll find that the cost looks like it's going to be a lot more, but people don't spend enough time on planning. So they go to the bank, they ask for, let's say, a million dollar loan, but they forgot $200,000 worth of expenses. So when it comes time to actually finishing the build out and working on like towards opening, they've already run out of money. And so they've shorted themselves from the very beginning. So create a sources and uses statement. Look at all your potential fixed assets, all of your potential soft costs, and then come up with, well, this could be funded by equity injection. I have an interested investor. Do I want to set up as an LLC or an S-Corp, depending on how many potential investors I have? It's really that. Before you even build an operational plan, create a sources and uses statement. It's also known as your initial project capitalization. Laura? Um, that was a lot. I'll have to digest that for sure um, and go back. Um, but I have kind of a, a simpler question going back to what Carrie was talking about. Do you want to take the time to do this yourself? And, and Audra, you know, feel free to take uh, your, your feedback on this too. When people ask you to do things for them, do you find that they're less involved and then understand what is generated less? Do, are they less able to or less invested in that business plan if they're not the ones that made it or maybe it depends well when when i start with them and working with them we have an hour-long kickoff call of where i really want to get an idea of what their vision their mission the location what is their dream what is it that they want to accomplish because oftentimes they have the narrative in their head they understand what it is that they want to put out there but they don't know what it'll take to get there so Fleshing out these questions of, well, how many square feet? What size brew house are you going to have? How many seats? Are they high tops? Are they just bar space? Do you have outdoor space, indoor space? What's your ideal location so that we have an idea of traffic flow and parking? What, what is available or not? So it becomes very much a cooperative project. I can't say that I've ever had somebody that was less involved, uh, with the exception of maybe one or two. And I've worked with well over 300 breweries. So I can think of one or two that were like, just give me whatever uh, projections you can create and I'm just going to stick it in my plan. Well, <laughs> that's, that's not going to benefit that person either because they're going to be the ones that have to defend those numbers to the bank and to the investment team. So if I'm the one that's created them and they can't answer those questions, I, that's on them. But right. I find that very rare because I tease out a lot of questions. We have a very open dialogue because they'll give me their business plan. I'll start reading through it. And I come up with questions as a result of it. So we spend an hour really getting into product mix, the uh, foot traffic, the city, the demographic data that is available at that time. And then I pull all these different comps that I have from that location or that area, just from the history of having worked there um, with multiple breweries. And I 
align their vision with some numbers. And then I teach them what those numbers mean so that they can defend them and they can expound upon those numbers themselves to the bank or to the investment team. So it's it has to be collaborative because there's teaching moments, there's coaching moments. And ultimately I want to empower the owner to be able to present the numbers, defend them and change them as they need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree that that that's how I approach it too with, with clients as well. Cause it's like, so the process I use is um, basically a four, we do four meetings. So we meet once a week for an hour for four weeks. And the, the promise is you're done in four weeks. And there's a little homework on each side, but ultimately to Audrey's point, um, this is not so much, uh, and, but I have done this. I'll say it's very rare, but most most of the process is um, there's a, a, some templates that we follow just to keep it simpler. There's a sales and a margin and operating expenses and sources and uses and your timeline of to-dos and when blah, blah, blah. You know. So we just fill them in together, but by and large, um, it's them doing the work and me guiding them. Um, so it's like teaching someone a golf swing, you know, you stand behind you. Okay. Nope. Nope. You're going to keep your arm straight or whatever. So that, yeah, because it, because that is an important point that uh, they're going to have to kind of understand and defend these numbers. Um, and it's best for them going forward too. Cause then it's like, Oh, these are good. This is good information to know, but yeah, it's, I would agree. I think those are, those are good words. Very collaborative should be very collaborative. Um, you can provide, I spend, I spend 80, 90% of the time on the financial side, the rest of it, like, you know, what am I going to add there? I mean, I can help you with maybe a thought here or there. Um, but yeah, a collaborative process for sure. Very cool. Actually. So I have, I have a question other than the prepared questions. Um, so where, where do the numbers come from? So is this, I, I mean, I know you guys have experienced what you've seen with, you know, other breweries and other cities, but, um, are the, um, you know, the startups, are they doing their own due diligence? Are they going out there and talking to the equipment manufacturers to get numbers? And, and part of my question on this is, so as an attorney, uh, who is brought on fairly in the early in the process, um, legal fees are always underestimated, which, and I'm sure, as I'm sure probably accounting fees, which I'm guessing is maybe they don't want it to be that much. <laughs> But it also is very dependent, just like anything else, on what are they planning to do. Um, so I'm just curious um, where the numbers actually come from. I get actual quotes from different manufacturers, from the equipment side of things. I have a build out per square foot that I have by region based on projects that are currently in build out. So I can have a good idea of what I can give them as a placeholder or a starting point, but I take away the manufacturer name. So I provide them in placeholders just to make sure and prevent price fixing or anything that I could step into any sort of legal trouble, but it provides them at least a placeholder for estimation until they actually get a quote directly to them. And then I work on batch costs for styles of beer by product mix. So they'll either provide me their recipes or batch costs, and I can line that up with the current price list of BSG with Brewer Supply Group or Country Malt Group. Other examples of, like, I just have access to a lot of different books, so I can pull the invoices and know what the price per pound is, what price increases are going to be going through, 
And it creates an initial sort of batch cost margin analysis point for a jump off um, point. But um, I get it from actual numbers. I just take away and redact all the identifying information to prevent any sort of legal troubles. Yeah, and I'll start. It's a good, it's a really good question. And a lot of people are like, I remember one client asked me like, all right, so when we're done, do you guarantee that we'll hit these numbers? And I'm like, ah, that's, <laughs> no, I'm not in the business of that. But I, so we start, I generally will start with what's your budget, right? You know, what, what you, you, you want to open a brewery, you're either going to lease it or you're going to buy it. What's your budget? And they'll have a general sense. And I do think this, the, the good starting point is, is usually where most people don't start is sources and uses. It's like, well, what's your budget? So if it's, you know, a $500,000 budget, uh, okay, so the, so you have uses for that. How are you going to allocate those funds and, and where are you going to get the money from? And then we start to start building that up. Okay, now we've kind of got broad brush. And then, you know, we maybe turn our attention to the, op, you know, the income statement and say, all right, we've got sales margins and operating expenses. And, you know, the sales are frankly the hardest thing to, to budget. I mean, who knows? Like, are they going to come in? What are they going to spend? Is it tap room? Is it self-distribution? Is it wholesale? You know, so you have to have a conversation around that. So often I'll say, look, you know, don't worry about starting with the hardest one. You know, you, the operating expenses are generally the ones people understand. You know, they know who they're going to hire or who they're not going to hire. They know what the least cost is generally or what they think it's going to be. Um, and then you kind of fill in estimates for insurance and legal fees and all of these other things. And then work your way back to the sales forecast. You know, and the sales forecast is, you know, you you really want to beat it up in terms of, you can use very simple simple metrics, right? It's like if it's a tap room, who's going to come in? How much are they going to spend? And, you, you know, what's the frequency with which? And then you can kind of do some math and get pretty broad brush. But then you ask around. I mean, you you, you ask them to do some homework and say, like, well, do you have taproom breweries in your area? I mean, is there anything comparable? Is there anybody you could talk to? What did they see? Because then you, then you can just kind of extrapolate from there. Um, so, yeah, it's a process because you can't just a lot of times, you know, if you pull numbers out of the air, you're going to be exposed. You know, the banker is going to figure it out and whatnot. So you really want to have good, good fundamentals behind it. Uh, Laura? Uh, just a quick one. I, I was curious if there was ever a time when you would say, go sit in your neighborhood breweries, spend the day, see yeah. how many people come in, see how many butts are in seats, see how long they stay. Um, if there was a, a time for that, if you don't really have that connection or that you know neighbor, neighbor trust to be able to ask those questions. And it sounds like, yes, but maybe Maybe you do have those relationships. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yes, but it's interesting too because you can. I mean, this is this is one of the great things about our industry is people do share information, right? And so, not everyone and not everything. But if you went to someone and say, like, oh, what's how many people come into your place on a I don't know on a given month? And they'll tell you. Oh, what what are they? What's your average ticket? Well, they'll tell you. Okay, there's there's a pretty good starting point for. It's not perfect. It doesn't mean that those people are going to come into your place and spend that much, but it gives you a. We, you know, we start with like a sniff test, like what, what is, what sort of smells about, right? Okay. So that's okay. So I've got some comparables now. It's just like, I hate to use this analogy because it's take us a little bit far afield, but it's like, what's your house worth? You know, it's like, going well, oh, it could be, it depends. It's worth what somebody's going to pay for it, but you can go out and find comparables and kind of get a sense as to, okay, it might be in this range. Uh, so the same is, is kind of true, I think for, for this part of the planning process, you have to sort of surround it. You got to sneak up on it. You got to kind of try different different ways to uh to come up with a number uh that ultimately you know you're comfortable putting putting on your projection sheet gotcha audra did you want to add something 
Yeah, um, for leases, let's say you're walking into a leased space, I would say uh, ask the current owner, the building owner, for all the utilities costs. You'll have the actual utilities costs, so you won't have to estimate those. Um, TCAM, other estimated actual costs, they will already have it at their fingertips. So that's going to help because utilities are a big piece that a lot of breweries do get wrong. Um, insurance, too, is another piece that they get wrong. But a lot of the, that information can come from your landlord as you are developing a relationship and trying to figure out if that is the right space. And uh, building on Carrie's point with like a sniff test, what I like to do is come up with, well, debt service coverage ratio. That's going to be a huge number that they're going to have to hit. So the debt service coverage ratio, the numerator is EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, divided by 12 months of debt service. So your principal and interest payment that you're going to have, sum those up for 12 months. And EBITDA divided by debt service needs to be 1.2 or higher. So you can back into that number. So if you know what your net operating income is going to be, can you hit that 1.2 number based on how much of a loan you're going to be asking for? Because that can ultimately define the size of your project as well. If your debt service coverage ratio is below 1.2, very likely the bank will not approve the loan. Also, that uh, you're going to be financially strained for this level of project or that size of project based on the location and what your operating results are going to be. So I like to back into that from a 1.2 debt service coverage ratio calculation back into how many pints do I have to sell and what my average ticket is going to be. That's going to give me how many people how much foot traffic I need to have. Is it realistic for this size of a project for me to be taking this on? So I go a little bit backwards knowing that that debt service coverage ratio needs to be 1.2. Okay, I'm gonna admit that I, I didn't completely understand that. I don't know if it was like, cause it went really fast or cause I'm a lawyer and we don't do numbers. So debt service coverage, that's what you owe plus the interest. Loan payments. Yes, it's a calculation. It's a financial calculation. You are pulling your EBITDA or net operating income for, okay. it's, it could be projected for 12 months. So that's the numerator of the calculation. So how much I think I'm going to make for 12 months. You've got it. Net operating income. Yep, that's your numerator. The denominator is what my debt payments are going to be. So that's not just to the bank. It will also be if I have any private loans if I'm taking any short-term loans out as well, I need to look at that also over that same 12-month time period projected. So this typically comes out of the cash flow statement. So your EBITDA, net operating income, comes from the income statement, and then your uh, debt service payments come from the cash flow statement. So that's the denominator. So yeah, EBITDA for 12 months, projected results, divided by debt service payments of any sort over the upcoming 12 months, that number needs to be 1.2 or higher. Or okay. else you're too financially <laughs> constrained. Yeah. No, I'm good. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for bringing that down to my level. So oh, okay. does that, that means then you're making 20% more than you need to pay all your debt. And have that to reinvest back into the brewery and your everyday operation. You don't want that to be one because there's nothing then left to put back into the brewery itself. Right. And I know from working multiple banks that they are looking for that target number. If you don't hit that 1.2 number, they are going to consider you a much higher risk 
from the underwriting perspective. Gotcha. Because you can't pay your debts and function. Correct. You got it. Exactly. Which actually leads me to the next question. So perfect. <laughs> so, and um, I'll throw it to Carrie first, but Audra, if both of you, I'd love both answers from both of you. So in our previous session that we just did about setting goals, we discussed the balance between showing confidence and being realistic in your financials. And so um, how do you recommend finding that balance? I mean, I know obviously the sniff test to a little bit. And I also know that um, as I'm sure a number of people do, like if they can't make that 1.2, they just fluff the numbers up a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure that's definitely not the way to do that either. So what uh, what is your suggestion for that? Yeah, I think there's, um, it's okay to have a couple of different financial plans. So you could have a conservative plan and aggressive plan and maybe something in the middle. You're going to ultimately need to determine which one you're actually, you, you can't submit three plans to your banker, but I think the exercise is well worthwhile. Um, first thing I would say is bankers, you know, they'll, they will sniff it out if, you know, you need to have good underlying assumptions. Uh, so your sales plan, many of the bankers that work in the craft beer space have a pretty good understanding of what revenue per barrel looks like if you're in distribution or through your tap room. So you can't just make up a number. You know, you need some assumptions that are based or grounded in some kind of reality. So that's number one. Now they now you, you they don't really know how many people are going to come into your tap room, for example, or how much uh, market penetration you're going to get through distribution. So those are numbers, you know, that maybe you can get a little more aggressive on. But I think ultimately, you know, the thing is you want to get the loan, but you really want to pay the loan back. So you really want a plan that's going to stand up to reality. So I, I tend to lean towards a more conservative approach um, so that you've got some room, um, you know, if things start to kind of go sideways as, as sometimes they do. So I think using um, that approach of maybe an internal financial plan that's a little more aggressive. So for example, you might say, you know, we're going to have sales of a million dollars internally, and we're going to really push to get to that number. But for the bank, you know, I'm going to say 800,000, right? Because I'm giving myself a little bit of room. And then my plan is going to, you know, support that. And to Audra's point, you know, they're looking at the bottom, they're looking at what is this thing going to cash flow? And what is that relative to your debt service obligations? How does that compare? Um, you know, and are you going to meet your, your requirements? Um, so I think it's fine to be confident so long as you have these underlying assumptions, you're using some metrics, you can speak the language. You know, I think it's it's useful for people too to take a little crash course in banking terms. You know, EBITDA should roll off your tongue. You walk into your EBITDA, debt service coverage. I'm gonna do you have a do you have a do you have a leverage ratio as well, sir or madam? You know? So I think demonstrating that. And it doesn't take that long to read a book, you know, do some Googling, talk to somebody and, you know, that can that can give you some banking terms. And it's not just to show off or anything, but it's like it's important to understand the language of your lender so that, you know, you can get the best deal possible for yourself. And that isn't that may be the, the interest rate and maybe the, the term of the loan. It may be these covenants that we're talking about. And debt service coverage, that's no joke. You, know, you need to understand what that is. Um, these are promises that you make to the bank and you got to keep those promises along with, you know, paying back the loan. So I think it's okay to have a conservative and aggressive plan. I would build them both. I think it's a good exercise to understand kind of where the limits are um, and then keep it within the confines of reality. 
you know, one thing that does happen on occasion is that that sales plan doesn't match up to the capacity of the brewery. So for example, you know, we're going to sell a thousand barrels. Okay. What kind of system do you have? Well, we're going to, we're going to bang, we got, we're going to start with a one barrel system. Like, how are you going to do a thousand barrels? Oh, well, I don't know. So there needs to be some correlation between, you know, what you're physically, you know, your, your sources and uses schedule and your income statement. So kind of thinking, thinking those things through. Audra? Yeah, and I, so I typically start out with a break-even scenario. So based on once we get to all the operating expenses, we have a good idea of what your batch costs are. We have a good idea of what your sales mix, how much IPA versus Pilsner versus Stout, at, you know, all the different styles of beer. If you have a good idea where that sits, you have a good idea of what your gross margin is going to be. And then you have also a pretty good idea of what your operating expenses are going to be. How much is it going to take? to us for us to break even and also cash flow 1.2. So I typically start from that point and then come back to the owner, to the brewer and say, can we do this? Can we sell 752 barrels using this 10 barrel system, this 40 person capacity top room size with the parking lot that you have? Can you do it or can we not do it? And it's a little bit of a back and forth. And they say, oh, yeah, there's no problem. I mean, I know that this brewery around town can do twice as much, you know, through their tap room. Okay, well, let's take a let's step back and take a look at what your size is, what your traffic flow looks like. Do you have any clout behind you as a brewer and the name? I mean, I can tell you, it doesn't matter where Mitch Steele is going to go. I'm going to drink his beer because <laughs> it doesn't matter which brewery. I know that that product that's going to be coming out is going to be fantastic. Uh, same thing with like Marcus, Baskerville, like it's wherever they go, they have clout. So they're already going to be drumming up a certain amount of numbers. But I typically start with a break even scenario, come back and say, is this even attainable or realistic before we move further? And then I'll come up with a more aggressive sales plan. We can come up with it together. The other thing we do is we can combine uh, the numbers and say, okay, well, a little bit barrelage. I don't think we can sell as much, but I don't think we'll be off the mark in more than 50 barrels. Then you shift the mix to a less expensive product that you know is going to sell. So now pushing more rice lagers, pilsners, those styles that are less expensive to produce, knowing what your audience is going to be drinking. So that could be even put into your marketing plan. You know what? We're going to be known as the rice lager company that people come to, like fantastic lagers. Great, because that's going to be less to produce. Um, versus the IPAs, but you come up with a break-even range. So you can say, if we sold 10% more Pilsner and 10% less IPA, just shift the mix around, what does our break-even analysis tell us at that point in time? Because it will vary based on the products that you're selling. So that's the way I typically approach it. And if we we look at the break-even scenario, I said, there's no way we could do that in a town of 1,200 people, 750 barrels in a town of 1,200 people, and we're taproom focused. Okay, it's back to the drawing board, but it's good to know because we've done that before we've done that sort of due diligence before we've moved on to any further steps. So break even is my starting point just to make sure that we can attain those numbers to begin with. Great. Okay. So let's move on to a slightly different, uh, not topic, but Tangent. So, and I'll start with Audra. 
So now that we've all navigated a financial crisis in the pandemic, do you advise startups uh, and expanding breweries to build in some different safety strategies in their financial planning? I absolutely do. I make sure that brewery has at least three months of operating expenses on hand or access to a line of credit where they could cover it should a dip like that occur. We saw that happen during the pandemic. I worked on roughly two dozen emergency, 90-day emergency plans for breweries that all of a sudden tap rooms are shut down. How do we pivot? How do we shift our overall business model so that we don't run out of cash? So it's really building up that little cash bump. Um, but again, three months of operating expenses on hand or access to a line of credit to cover those. I also like on a quarterly basis to take my brewery partners through a financial sort of like emergency response plan. So we'll sit down as a group and say, all right, tomorrow we can't, the, shut, the tap room shut down again. What are we doing now? What are we doing now? How do we shift to that? And then we come up with a list of projections that are going to be based on that particular scenario. If one arm of the business is completely cut off, how do we survive with the other two? If we have a restaurant problem, uh, and the food service has to be discontinued or cut off for a period of time because of health department issues. How are we dealing with that? So there's, it's almost like a financial emergency response plan. I certainly do work on that with them, but also at the same time, since the pandemic, this creation of financial dashboards and key performance indicators has blown up. It's taken so, it's gotten so popular and, and it excites me because for me, I'm all about key performance indicators. I know Mark Bowman is too. We both love to talk about KPIs. And even Carrie and I presented on that at uh, the CBC last year, last year, two years ago, maybe it was two years ago or last year. Regardless, it was a really hot topic. And that still stands to be just as important to this day, if not more important. So understanding what your current ratio, your, your liquidity ratios, your current, your quick ratio, your inventory turnover, so that's an efficiency measure, your debt service coverage ratio, which we talked about, any leverage ratios, and then things like raw materials per barrel produced, labor production-wise per barrel produced, overall labor for the brewery, so the admin overhead per barrel produced, these sorts of numbers, and then you just watch them and how they change from week to week. To week. And there is multiple products and platforms that you can track those numbers, but KPIs and really implementing them within an overall brewery operation has really helped open the eyes of a lot of owners that were forced open during the pandemic. Gotcha. Carrie, did you have anything to add? I think she summed it up perfectly. Yes. <laughs> and yes, I do love KPIs. And I hope you guys do a whole podcast just on those. I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. Um, so I know we're running close on time. Um, I'm trying to think if we have enough questions. So I want to give you, I definitely want to give you guys the opportunity to give us your, your words of wisdom and uh, best advice to a startup. So um, Carrie, why don't we start with you on that? Words of wisdom. All right. Well, I would take that with a grain of salt. What's going to come out of my mouth? We'll see what it is. Um, you know, what I would say is that your financial accounting and reporting is a process not unlike your brewing process. 
So I don't think anyone would ever open a brewery and think, I'm just going to wing it. You know, I'm just going to like brew it and see what happens. Eh, probably not. Maybe the first couple of times and then you dial it in. So, you know, there's a very regimented process. There are steps that have to be done in order and the timing is very specific and there's measurements done along the way and there's quality control. So I think if I would paint that picture for people, I would just simply superimpose that thought over your financial and accounting reporting process, which is to say, in order to get good beer, you have to have a good process. In order to get good numbers, you need a good process there as well. And most of the clients I work with at first, they, they don't know. They don't, I don't know. It's just the numbers. People add them. You know, we pay stuff and we, and it's unfortunately, it's not that simple because um, things can go wrong. And, you know, we really want to rely on these numbers. So the first thing is really just process, procedures, discipline, and consistency. These are all words we as human beings do not like. And we fully understand that. That's why there's so few accountants out there, but we're a necessary evil. So think about those things and you can really, you know, systematize this. So we we use like, again, another checklist, a month end checklist, let's say, just put one together. What is your process at the end of the month to make sure your books are right? Do you have one? Maybe, maybe not. If you don't, you know, probably put one in place. So there's things that we need to do on a regular basis to make sure our numbers are good and clean so we can rely on them. So that we can use them to make better business decisions, because that's ultimately the point of it, um, is to use this information to kind of guide, understand where we've been, where we are, where we're going, you know, and ultimately what are, who are the stakeholders in this operation? We've got investors and lenders and owners and employees, for goodness sakes, you know, we want to be a viable business. So uh, until we come up with a better way, uh, financial accounting and reporting is is the way that we do that. So I would recommend folks think about their brewing process, and then just keep it as tight on the on the financial process too. Awesome. Audra? Not too much to add other than really understanding the cash flow statement. We spend, as a startup, we spend so much time and focus on the profit and loss statement itself and kind of wiggle away from the cash flow statement or don't really truly understand it. When the cash flow statement ultimately bridges your balance sheet and your income statement together, to give you a full view of what is happening to the business. So take some time, read up on cash flow statements, the statement of cash flows, how those numbers work. When you're paying down accounts receivable, what effect does that have on your cash flow statement? Accounts payable, if you're paying those down, what happens if we delay those payments for three months? How does that affect our cash flow? Just really understanding the ebb and flow of that because you can show profit for multiple years and still shut down because you've run out of cash and likewise, I know multiple breweries that have shown losses for multiple years, but because they can manage their cash and understand their cash flow statement, they can stay open. So prof, uh, profit and loss statement, important. Cash flow, even more important. Spend time to really understand and know that statement. I feel like I need to go study my cash flow statement. One hundred percent. I feel like we could talk about this for another like three podcasts for sure. And Candace and I would be beer here going, oh, right. Okay. That's how that works. I'm going to write that down for myself. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. But for today, thank you both. And, and let's also thank all of our listeners for joining us now and in the future for episode 19, Building Your Business Plan, Getting Into the Numbers of the Start a Brewery podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode, 20, provided that we don't do three more on cash flow, um, creating a marketing plan, which takes a slight turn from looking at the numbers to strategic plans about how to make those numbers real. 
This new episode will be released before the crack of dawn on Tuesday, September 26th. While you're anticipating the release of our next episode, feel free to visit the Startup Brewery website at startupbrewery.com, a free resource for those who are looking to open or grow their breweries. Be sure to look through the task lists offered for each stage of the process. Carrie talked about that. If you go to plan, there's actually a checklist of all the things you're supposed to be doing. Same with act, open, and grow. At the educational resources and at the offerings from our savvy contributors and our growing library. You can also sign up for an occasional electronic update with new Stradabury contributors, content, events, and more great information on the contact page of the website. We also encourage you to explore the All About Beer website at allaboutbeer.com. Perhaps pop in to enjoy one of their excellent podcasts as well. In the meantime, this has been Laura Lodge and Candice Moon wishing you a terrific day and thanking you once again for joining us on our podcast journey to start a brewery. <laughs>